says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to, a, well, I'm not quite sure what to call it, boys, but sort of the amalgamated uh, everything episode of the Tip Sheet podcast. Got a bit of uh, NRL news, bit of previews, bit of origin talk. Uh, but as always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me for this uh, Frankensteinian amalgamation monster of a podcast are my good mates, 60s and Quint, fellas. How are you holding up on the bye week? Mate, it doesn't feel like a bye week. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. We... It feels like we're flat out with all of our TCT stuff, but I guess we'll we'll know it on come the weekend when there's no <laughs> Parramatta first grade in action. But uh, yeah, mate, doing well and looking forward to tonight's women's state of origin. Very much so, Quint. How you doing, mate? Uh, feeling very good after two points last week, but I'm probably a little bit different in that I'm a. I'm definitely um, having some withdrawals, feeling uh, feeling the effects of bye week, um, you know, and, and, and knowing that we have to wait until King's birthday Monday for, for the next time our boys run out. But um, you know, looking forward to getting into this show. Yeah, it's an odd one, isn't it? It's the King's birthday now where the Eels will be taking on the Bulldogs as part of that new sort of annual game that they're playing. Uh, but before I hand over the reins to you, 60s, to lead the NRL News and, well, previous two podcasts, a uh, quick shout out to the sponsors of the show, which are Star Partners or Star Partners Real Estate, sorry, Auburn, Rowan and Parramatta, as well as Big Swing Golf Northmead, helping you bring the show a couple times a week. All right, 60s, I'll cue you in now. News team, assemble! Well, coming into News Week and our news episode on the back of a Parramatta Reels win is a good place to be. So let's just quickly kick off with our final takes from the game over the cow against the Cowboys, the the tight victory that we enjoyed there. Uh, John, mate, what was what's your final takes on that match? Yeah, I mean, I just think it was a it wasn't obviously a perfect game by any means, but looking back on it now, we just played a really good brand of football. Yeah, we didn't ice all our opportunities, but functionally, the way we went about constructing our attacking sets was really positive. We weren't playing stupid football. We built really nicely from right to left and left to right. Uh, the Cowboys made a couple of good saves, so well done to them there. Uh, in the second half, the game management in that third quarter of play was outstanding. Really positive stuff there, not seeing the Eels lose their way after Oranges and try and force points. They built the pressure, got the lead. Yes, the Cowboys came back with a bit of luck. There was some... Uh, uh, very opportunistic bounces of the football and a couple of marginal forward passes that might have been missed. But the Cowboys got their way back in. And again, the Eels didn't panic. So, yeah, really, really encouraging football. Seeing a lot of those fringe guys like Offahiki Ogden and Makahesi Makatoa standing up in the absence of senior core forwards has been really, really good. And, yeah, seeing a player like Sean Russell starting to get back to where we sort of had him projected the B-Boys after that really uh, shoddy start in 2023 was really nice to see. Oh, and just before I throw to Clint, <clears throat> we caught up with uh, Eels uh, GM of football, Mark O'Neill, during the week this week, and uh, he did reveal he's got a little side bet going on with Sean Russell. I'm, I'm sure he doesn't mind us just letting that drop. Just a, a lunch over a certain try-scoring target um, 
this year. So and it's going to go I down to the, to the wire. Yeah, it, yeah, it's he's he's almost on target, Sean Russell. So uh, we'll see how that one pans out. Um, Clint, your takes on the victory over the Cowboys? It was a game that we definitely warmed into, and you know, to to echo some of Forty's thoughts, it's um, you know, it, it was great to see us not panic. You know, I I I think. There was a little bit of a collective feeling around, um, you know, certain pockets of the stadium when it was only six all and the Cowboys probably having a bit of a better run of the play in the first half. That, oh, uh, you know, we're going to drop some points here after an excellent performance. But you know, our, our, our senior players did everything that they had to, and uh, again, echoing some of Forty's thoughts, it was really great to see those those um, fringe forwards continue to step up. You know. Um, and some players back up some really solid performances against uh, the Rabbitohs, again against the Cows, and they get to go onto the bye and enjoy um, a, a, a good rest period before um, before uh, locking and loading, ready to go again. And, and hopefully for some of them, you know, pushing for um, selection again um, come uh, next round against the Bulldogs. Yeah, look, there's not too much news coming out of the NRL squad at this stage because of the fact that it is a bye week, but. Certainly what we've been able to ascertain is that there's a real positivity around the club. There's uh, that belief that in spite of the injuries that have been occurring, that they're in good stead. There's a there's a, a positive mindset within the group and that extends to the coaches and staff and that it looks like it'll be a, a strong run into the back half of the season. Obviously, they'll follow the old rugby league cliché and take it one match at a time, as they always do. But uh, they they feel that the stage is set to have a very uh, good back half of the season. However, there is a bit of news coming out of the NRLW. Uh, they've returned to pre-season training at their new HQ at Granville. We've seen uh, some photos up on the Eels media. I had a quick chat with Dean Witters yesterday uh, about... Uh, being based at Granville, he's very happy uh, about the the new setup over there. And um, the other thing, of course, is is uh, news about Nathan Brown there, forty. Yeah, I think it was actually an exclusive on the tip sheet a few weeks back when we spoke to him ahead of the SG Ball Grand Final. Uh, but today, the Parramatta Eels confirming that uh, as part of an expanded set of responsibilities at the club, Nathan Brown will be joining the NRLW coaching ranks in, I believe, a consulting role as a coaching advisor. So that really bolsters their instructional capabilities, obviously, with Dean Witters, uh, Kate Mullally, and uh, who is who else am I missing there, boys? Shah, Shah Henry. Shah Henry, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Shah Henry. So that is a really impressive uh, brain trust there for our NRLW squad. And, yeah, really keen to see uh, Brownie's expanded role in the Eels uh, as he covers not just the juniors and the junior reps, but now more senior spots, uh, spots as well. Yeah, and... Clint, what's uh, what's your thoughts on that um, on on that ex- that change over to Granville Park? Well, it's great to see that they've you know um, obviously as works uh, still continue at um, at Kellyville Park that the women's side now have can use Granville as a as a dedicated um, a, a dedicated resource for for all their training. You know, um, obviously there's um, uh, being the women's side they um, have, have have needs of their own. And it's you know, it, it speaks again to the not just the um, I guess the level of professionalism is probably the word I'm looking for here um, uh, that 
is continues to evolve year on year in the NRLW as um, as as that continues to um, to scale up both from a club perspective internally and from the competition perspective externally of of the Eels. So you know it's it's great that they get to operate out of there. Um, you know, uh, I think we touched on earlier in the year about the works that have taken place down there with the new grandstand and and LED floodlights that have been installed there. It's a it's a good facility if you haven't um, if you're yet to see it. Um, but yeah, great news for the NRLW team. Yeah, it's uh, it was a facility that we got to have a, a close look at for the final in the final round of the Eels Junior Reps, and uh, it was the they've got a as as you said they've got a, a new stand there they've got a function room as part of that stand they've got the dressing sheds there that um, that they require for uh, a professional training. And look, I think the thing is with that as well that you mentioned with the works that are going to be taking place at Kellyville, it's not then they need a home in the meantime. And and previously, they've been sharing the facilities with the where the junior reps train, which is over at um, Morris Brothers High School at Westmead, and they're also using the New South Rugby New South Wales Rugby League Centre of Excellence, um, and when you i guess when you're splitting where you train and uh you're having to work in the the when uh to an, to a degree with you know maybe sharing facilities those sorts of things it makes it good that you've got a a place that you know is your place to train so i think that's that's a real uh positive for the eels going into this season uh now that pretty much wraps up what we want to talk about it for the news out of Parramatta. So we're going to power on mm-hmm. to news across the wider rugby league community, the NRL and uh, Origin. And we will get into our Origin takes very, very quickly. But just first cab off the rank in the NRL, is it any surprise that the... the well, it was beyond rumoured. It was almost like get, taken as a certainty that Jason Riles was going to end up at the Dragons... And what do you know? Nine point fives and ten point oh's across the board from the judges. Yeah, that was a, an all time. That's a DCE tier backflip right there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, from having a four or five year super contract at the Dragons to suddenly going back to Melbourne as the uh, I think, mate, he's he's going to become. I mean, you, you you just mentioned their DCE tier. I mean, you, you know, out there you see. People rate things as S tier. Uh, prior to that, it was DCE tier in rugby league when it came to backflips. <laughs> I think Riles is now is now the ultimate, isn't it? Yeah, you know, well, like it's certainly it, the one that the metric that's going to be compared to because of the recency bias, one hundred percent. But can you blame him? I mean, you know, scientists in Australia have discovered a genetic link between dragons and tigers in recent times. It looks like so. There's uh, <laughs> some you know, real real weird stuff going on in the animal kingdom. Uh, so instead of going to the, the mess that would be that tier of club, you go to Melbourne where, yes, you're going to be compared to Craig Bellamy when you eventually take over from him, but you're inheriting an incredible system and some incredible players. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I guess the other thing too is that we've seen that the Dragons still can't quite get it right because we we had the scenario around the captaincy in the uh, in the last week and... Uh, their choice of captain wasn't probably ideal when it came to uh, getting 
community or public support for their for the selection. Mm-hmm. Clint, what's your what's your take on where the Dragons are heading? Uh, Riles' decision, where to next for the Dragons? Well, depending on which side of the ledger you, you you stand on here, I might upset some St. George fans in saying this, but I think it's good foresight from Jason Riles at this particular point in time to have the restraint and control to go, to go you know what, this isn't the best decision for me, um, you know, and to, and to examine these options and, and to ultimately end up with a storm. You know, for, for his own personal career, that's a good decision. For the Dragons fans who probably wanted to bring an old player home and, and saw someone fit, um, fit for purpose for their club and then for it to break down at the 11th hour it'd be incredibly disappointing you know but it's obviously a reflection of where they're at at the moment um, you know and um, we, we hear news of just in the in, in the previous days as well of um, St. George Bank announcing that they're not going to continue their sponsorship of the their major sponsorship of the Dragons beyond its current deal which ends at the end of next season so you know there's whether whether it's a true reflection of exactly what's happening or not, um, you know, we, we can only speculate at this point. But normally, when there's there's smoke, there's fire, gents, and you know, it's it's not painting a p- pretty picture from the outside, and it's a hard sell for the dragons now, you know, and and, and that's that that's from getting their new um, head coach and essentially spiritual leader um, and and representative of the organization in place, as well as it is selling the corporate dream and saying. You know, we're an attractive prospective um, um, partnership for your business to associate yourselves with. You know, it's going to make it a lot harder for them to to, to get a new major sponsor. Um, you know, and, and and St George is such a St George Bank and the St George Laura Dragons is a very natural fit. You know, not too dissimilar to to Stegall's, um Chicken and the Roosters. You know, so it's uh, it's 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 saying a lot about what's happening in there at the moment, um, even if we're not privy to all the details, because people people from all angles and all aspects of the club are saying, no thanks, not for us right now. I'm going to pose a question to both of you then. Would St George be better advised right now to offer a one or two year deal to Ryan Carr to in that during that time to get all of their systems and processes that they've talked about that they're going to have it that they were going to have in place for Jason Riles because remember all of a sudden they were going to be oh look we're going to have everything in place for him we're going to have this we're going to have this we're going to have this now there's no sell if that's not in place for a start mm-hmm. next do they want another name candidate knocking them back because there isn't anything in place. And thirdly, we've got a high regard for Ryan Carr as a potential for... Well, I've regarded him as a potential first-grade mm-hmm. coach during his time at the Eels. I thought, well, this bloke will end up being an NRL coach. Are they going to lose anything by having him as a coach in the short term? Who knows? He might actually be the diamond that they're able to find in all of this mess and in the if if it isn't, at least they have a time to get their processes and their systems in place, and then offer themselves as more of a uh, of a full product to a potential higher profile experienced coach. It's uh, not too dissimilar to the situation that Parramatta found themselves in at the back end of 2013 after Ricky Stewart walked out in the club, and they were faced with the option of taking, you know, a couple of uh, relatively inexperienced coaches in Jason Taylor and Brad Arthur, and obviously there's a 
some crazy story there as well insofar as how it all played out and the Eels getting Brad Arthur. But, yeah, when you're absolutely at the bottom of the barrel and you're scraping up the muck, you don't have the luxury of going out and getting a big-name coach very often. Sometimes you can you know, go out there and jag it on the back of enough money and enough promises, but the Dragons tried that and it didn't work. And in saying that, Riles isn't a proven coach. He is very much a rookie, the same way that Ryan Carr or any other similar candidate would be. So, yeah, I think that maybe that sort of one plus one or two plus one option sort of contract in the club's favour, because uh, they would have maybe a little bit more leverage there talking to someone like Ryan Carr uh, to let them either steady the ship under him and, and get right and maybe start building a la Brad Arthur, or you know, Ryan Carr isn't the guy and the situation was too big for him. That's not to say he wouldn't be a good coach in a different situation, but at the Dragons it might not work out for him. But you have an overcommitted resources to him. You've got an opportunity to get the club a little bit healthier uh, in terms of your systems and pathways and whatnot. And then, yeah, you can go try and sell it to a, a better candidate. Yeah, Clint, any final thoughts on that? That's absolutely the direction I'd be going in if I was in the Dragons hierarchy, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, there's nothing to be gained by um, going back out to market and letting there be speculation around all of this continuing well into the next season. I think they need to make this commitment sometime in the next couple of weeks. Say, this is what we're doing. We believe in our guy. Um, give Ryan the chance, um, you know, as, as what is very eloquently put, you know, it's, an, it's a very similar situation to where we were about um, 10, 11 years ago, um, you know, and, and obviously, you know, um, as, as, as you suggested, 60s, put the deal in the club's favour there. And, you know, I don't think, I don't think Ryan's going to, um, given the position that he's at in his career now, is going to turn around and try and make demand around um, a, a contract like that. Um, you know, and, and, and continue to work away and chip at things in the background. There's no shortcuts in any of this, you know. And uh, we mentioned in, uh, in pods earlier this year about, you know, it's frustrating hearing the, the, the public support um, saying uh, for, for incoming or an inbound Dragons couch get, uh, coach getting all these resources that weren't made available to uh, Anthony Griffin during his, um, his time and tenure there. You know, to, to me, your resources are your resources and you shouldn't be taking shortcuts. Um, you know, but and and I think ultimately um, that's that's the direction the dragons have to go. Though they they have to commit to Ryan um, and um, and move on from from the speculation of who the coach will be and just chip away at everything, every little small thing. There's no shortcuts in any of this. They just got to they just got to set themselves very easy um, attainable goals of being better, a little bit better at everything every single day. That's their way yep. forward. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, we've just been talking about coaches, and I want to quickly mention now uh, there's been some tremendous support for Daniel Anderson and the basically the, the battle that he has at the moment in working his way back from that uh, terrible surfing accident that he had. He's, his spirit that's been shown in the coverage and the um, especially that the wonderful piece on on Fox uh, on his um, not just the recovery process that he's going through but it, it was it was all about as well his um, his attitude towards what's happened and where he's going and uh, and you can see his relationship with the people that are around him it was it was a really 
it was a really uh, great piece that was uh, put together there with all the people involved, including Vonnie, mm-hmm. who's one of our one of our favourites here. But I just wanted to quickly mention to people you, it's and it's obviously been mentioned in these programs. But if you get on board and support via the uh, Daniel Anderson Support Fund that's been set up, and go to danielandersonfund.com.au and get involved there. Okay. Well, just, just before we do move on on um, their 60s, I just want to add, um, da- Daniel was a colleague of mine for a few years when I worked at the club, and I, 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 um, I wasn't aware of his situation until this news um, uh, you know, became a little bit more public in the last last week or two, and I, I was completely heartbroken to, to, to see and hear of this news. I, when, when the accident happened, I was actually overseas, at the point in time, so I wasn't I wasn't aware that something had happened, but you know I, I can absolutely echo what everyone else has seen over the um, over the past week to, to Daniel's strength. He was exactly like that as a colleague. Um, he was uh, a, a very ardent supporter of me and someone and, and, and very supportive of my time when I worked at the club. And he's someone I had a lot of time for, and he's someone who always took time out of his day for me. And you know I, w- I was completely heartbroken to hear this news and. I'll absolutely be one of those people donating, but um, you know, I, I just want to urge urge people if there's anything that you can spare, um, please do. You know, he is a really wonderful man. He's an eels man. You know, even though he's he's, he's still got his role of the roosters now, he he is he is eels family, and a lot of the a lot of the success and um, that we experienced at junior levels through the through the um, mid nineties and, um, and and going to the the turn of the century. Daniel Anderson was at the um, was at, at the forefront of a lot of that, and you know he probably doesn't get a lot of the credit that he he did deserve at that particular point in time of being um, Brian Smith's right hand man and and being the being the the, the go to guy through the junior system there. So um, you know um, to, to Red, um, you know uh, we love you, but the Eels fraternity is absolutely behind you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said, mate. Well said. Now, uh, we we do have to really dive into the origin here because I don't think it was any surprise to a lot of people that Queensland won the first state of origin match. Everyone I spoke I'm to sure had, fellas yeah, tips that, on Queensland. That, uh, despite what journos were saying, just the rank-and-file punters out there knew that we were going to be up against it from the moment that the teams were named. Mm-hmm. Um, John, we, you and and Clint we're were having off. quite an intense <laughs> intense conversation about this before we recorded, and I said to you, fellas, don't leave don't leave this quality here. Let's get this onto the podcast. So, um, mate, I'll I'll just throw it to you first of all, John. Fire away. I got a laundry list of things. Like first off, I want to say <laughs> I want to say get this out of the way. I am completely uh, detached from Origin now. I watch it as a neutral, essentially. Uh, obviously, you want Parapoys to play well when they're in there and not get injured. Uh, but the the embarrassing, lurching nature of the New South Wales sort of behemoth uh, structure from year to year, you know, just makes it so hard to get invested. So I'm going to start with uh, you. You got one prop on the bench in like the most difficult, like gladiatorial conditions. One prop on the bench, one middle forward on the bench. You insist on picking players because of club connections, but then you flip the sides of the field that they play on. The Penrith players all play on the right, and they got put on the left. Adokar is a left-edge winger in the Bulldogs. He played on the right. So go go figure that one out. You pick 
absolute flops. And that's not to say that a player like Hudson Young isn't a good club-level player, but he tanked it in this game. And even worse, the player that everyone knew was going to tank it, Tevita Pungo Jr., he, he absolutely butchered it. Like, he had a shocker. So, you know, the, the same core players that we know are great club players but have shown consistently that they can't step up at the origin level, tanked it again. You know, and, and they're getting a lot of protection from the media because uh, the, the way it's been phrased is a lot of questions. Like, you know, uh, speaking to someone like, Jay, you know, James Tedesco, he had a bad game, but what's your message to all the haters for him? It's like, he can have a bad game and you can be critical of him and not be a hater. You can call for him to be dropped or have a different capacity in the team in terms of attacking structures where he's almost Paul Gallon-esque as a, football, as a fullback now, where he's just dominating the team in a really bad way. You know, to the point that it's killing attacking structures and fluid, uh, fluency of the team. And then it, it is okay to say that Nathan Cleary is an incredible club-level halfback, the best in the world, but can't perform at state of origin. That, that, that is almost factually proven at this point. But yet the media want to protect these players and, and you know, the, the narratives behind it. And yeah, just, oh my goodness, like it's so frustrating. And well done to the Queenslanders, by the way, as much as I'm going to complain about New South Wales. You know, I, I used to scoff at the idea of the Queensland spirit and how much of a toss and a wank it was. But down a man last night off a, I'm not going to say a dubious simbing because the only angle we got because of the terrible broadcast work was that rear angle where it didn't show the point of contact in the left shoulder. So I assume the bunker would have had better angles. So cause from that angle, it looked like a dubious simbin. But they went down a man and scored two tries. You know, the hammer is, see, I love watching him and he, he just killed it there. So. Well done the Queensland. Cameron Munster continues to show he is an absolute animal, one of the best to play the game at any level. Uh, yeah, and they, they were too good. New South Wales, however, embarrassing. Yeah, Clint? John and I are absolutely in the same camp here, 60s. I, I am completely indifferent to origin. To be perfectly honest, I'm not going to lie, gents, there was a point in time, um, a couple of times actually, where I flicked to, to something else on the screen during the coverage. Because I'm, I just have that level of indifference towards Origin now, and you know, part of that's because you just know you knew this was going to happen. This is this 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 felt like the story had already been written, and everyone knew it except the New South Wales coaching team and selectors. Um, or you know, or that they did know it. Worse that they did know it, but they wanted to uh, um, through, the, through their own hubris almost. They're just like, no, we're going to do it this way because in our heads it's going to work, and we want to show you. Um, and, and, and stick it stick it to you mm. all and say that it that it did. Well, you know what? The balance of probabilities, as expected, didn't work in their favor. They had fifty three percent possession. They had a full three minutes more time of possession than Queensland did. They uh, Queensland had a uh, had a sin bin, albeit a dubious one, depending on which side of the ledger you sit on. Likewise. They um they had they had um, a couple of players go down with inch or HIAs I should say and and yeah. injury um throughout the game still couldn't take advantage of it. And uh, the, the moment Wales, the moment we put a half into the centres, Cameron Munster leaps on the opportunity. Like that yeah. is the difference between the two teams. It's like that that series years ago where Thurston was a dead weight out there because he busted his shoulder for three yeah. quarters of the game and we didn't run at him a single time. We, and all you could hear was Andrew John's. Like he, like muffled the, muffled screams the into the mic, it felt here. like. Yeah. Yeah. The, it, it goes back to this idea that players like Cleary and, and company are incredible club level players playing within their structures and having the support staff and support players that really bring out the best of their game. But you step up to the origin level where you're, there's more asked of you and more asked of you 
playing in and out of structure and ability to read the flow of the game. And that's where someone like Cameron Munster is a, a borderline savant compared to pretty much everyone else in the arena, to be fair. But uh, especially players like Cleary, who the, the tempo and the intensity of the game goes up and he gets panicked and he gets frustrated and he, he looks like he's half a second slow. Uh, and we saw that yep. last night with his decision-making, his passing, uh, even his, his kicking wasn't as good as it usually is. So, And, and credit it's to Blake. telegraphed. Yeah, it, exactly. He, he's on a script. And the moment the Queenslanders go off script as they want to do, because that's all they do at Origin, it feels like, is just play the game based on the unique characteristics of a given game. Uh, yeah, the moment they do that, he starts getting panicked. And the other player that also deserved a shout-out there for Queensland was DCE, who I thought, outside of that one drop... He was great. Outside that one drop where he had a quick look, uh, the, the 40-20 was incredible. He, he completely uh, schooled Teddy there. Again, he just ran the show beautifully. You know, yeah, the, yeah. for me, it comes down to, and it, it, it's, it's been the case for more years than it hasn't been, is that Queensland select... Origin yeah. players. Mm-hmm. To they play they, they origin. get the concept. They just do. They yep. get the concept yep. better than New South Wales. And they want it more. Yep. Like I yeah, said, I, I, I used to think it was a toss. It was like this whole no. you know media thing and Queensland has beaten their chest about it, but it's true. Yeah, same. It's true. But it's, it's absolutely true. But the other yeah. thing we'll now, say, Quinn, just before we move on, 60s, you know, going back to Mitch when he played for his one cap for New South Wales, played far better than what we saw from Cleary last night with a broken back, with a more inferior team, and he got dragged. Had two try assists in two, that game. Two try assists and nearly won the game at the end and got dragged for it. That was with a much better yeah. game. Imagine if he or Adam Reynolds, whoever else you want to insert in there, except for maybe uh, uh, Nico, who is obviously a bit of media darling right now, and he's a good player. Like, I'm not having a shot at Nico here. Don't get, don't get that wrong. But if he had that game last night, he would have been dead set stamped to never play the game again from the media and from the selectors. Uh, but again, yeah. there's just protected species in this game. When it comes, it, it is okay to say that Nathan Cleary is an outstanding club player, one of the best in the game, but struggles at Origin, and yet people don't want to say it. Yeah, yeah. No, I I agree entirely. And uh, but I, I guess then it comes down to is, is the halfback option Nico Hines? Is the halfback option Mitch Moses? I mean, well, that's I tell you, one thing they can that, do is pick two halves that can kick instead of having one half that lets Queensland just cheat, like not cheat like actually in the game, but sell out on the kick pressure to punish Cleary. You do half their job for them when you yeah, do that. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you talk about playing to a game script. You were giving Queensland your game script and saying, yeah, this is what we're going to do, you know, for one of the most important parts of the territorial battle and the possession battle. Come at us. Like, it, it is... Yeah, and, and I, look, I want to get... I want to get to the the point about Queens that I was making before too about Queensland selecting Origin players and also selecting players who are absolutely in form. Now there was the media tried to beat up the non-selection of Gagai and the selection of Hamaso Tabuai Fido over the top of him. I hate which one of those players was in form. I, I hate yeah. that hammer as a so, Queenslander because he is so fun to watch. It, it feels dirty. Yeah. It feels dirty cheering so, for him, but he's so good. <laughs> so he's in form, right? Now we have a look at the New South Wales selections. Tedesco is now probably in the worst form of his career. Mm-hmm. You've got um, uh, Turbo, Tommy Turbo, who looked at who until he had until he had a decent game against the Raiders, had stunk. But and, and he, he had like that game. 
he had that game and then and looked good, but then went immediately back to the time he would seem for the last four weeks, last night. Yes. Like, yeah, the head knock's going to give him a lot of a leeway because he got injured, but he had no impact on that game. But prior to that, no, and 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 see, it comes back to he wasn't in origin form. He hadn't been showing the form, and then not only that. They select him in a position, and I know he's played centre in origin in the past, but he's a fullback, and Fittler ignores form and picks him in the hope that he will reproduce what he produced at centre at origin like two two or so years ago. So straight away, he's, he's, he's simply showing loyalty to Tedesco when Tedesco is out of form in a team that's out of form. He's he's selecting on hope with Turbo. He's as you said, he's selecting uh, Josh Adokar on the opposite wing to what he's to what he's in, uh, what he normally plays. And, and he was only one game back from an ankle injury. Yep. And then the the clanger of all clangers of Tavita Pangai Junior as the starting prop, a player who has never ever produced consistent form, mm-hmm. ever. I mean, I would contend ever. And now this is the same coach who last year completely ignored the claims of the best prop in the game last year in Regan Campbell-Gillard mm-hmm. and went how many deep in selecting props by game three? I mean, mm-hmm. how deep did he go into the reserves of props running around in the game. I mean, we, we ended up with um, the second uh, twin from Newcastle. And then we ended up with, um, uh, with uh, Jordan McLean from North <laughs> Queensland. Yeah. Uh, look, his, and then, like John's talking about the structure of the bench. If, arguably, if there hadn't been that injury late in the game, Nico Hines is going to be sitting there not used at all on the bench. And we've, I mean, we've had Eels supporters that have been critical about Brad Arthur selecting a player on the bench who isn't isn't going to be used or is played for minimal minutes. This was origin. This was origin. He had Nick, one prop on the bench. Nico Hines is a bench utility the same way Mitchell Moses will be a bench utility. Yeah, Mitchell come in and play fullback or dummy half if you needed him to. But you, you pick him to start or you don't pick him. Like, it's it, absolutely an omission in picking Hines in the first place that, mate, you're good in good enough form that I want to pick you, but I'm going to stick with the system. So I'm going to hedge my bets and select both you and Jerome Blue Yep. Yep. So yeah, tokenistic. Just, no yeah, con, no yeah. conviction about the identity of the team. Right. Just, no. And, yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't, there was no. I mean, for a start, there was no identity in how we played. Like you, I had no idea what they were aiming to do no, last night. They, they looked disjointed. Didn't look like a team that had trained. I mean, Queensland, yeah, they put some kick pressure on, but it wasn't like they were pouring through every set in defense. New South Wales had the the possession advantage. They were wearing them down in terms of attrition, and yet it was New South Wales that was stumbling and bumbling. So yeah, what were they doing for their week and a half in camp? Who knows. Mind you, one, so, one, one silver lining for us as Parramatta fans, for Junior, even though he was underutilized, had a very good game, came on. I think he ran upright once and, and sort of got bent back. But aside from that, he dominated the advantage line, um, looked really good. And 
the Liam Martin try was almost built exclusively on the work he did across the uh, two consecutive sets there, where he just absolutely pounded Queensland through the middle. Yeah. Now, uh, we best move on to the women's origin. <laughs> and kickoff is just about to happen as we're recording this. And the, the uh, New South Wales lineup is this. Um, starting at fullback, we've got Tonegato, Chapman, Kelly, uh, Fui Mayono, Sergis, and we get into the halves of Southwell and Pearson. Paramount nice to see Pearsons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, the props are Boyle and another Parramatta reel, Kendi Cherrington. We've got uh, Davis at dummy half. Back row, Ken- Koenig and Clydesdale. Brooke Anderson at lock. And the interchange apps, uh, Togatuki, Bent, and Dodd with uh, former Eel Ellie Johnson, the uh, concussion sub. And then we have the Queenslanders, uh, Upton at fullback, then going through the rest of the backs, Robinson, Tezioka, uh, Pelite, Bass, Aitken, and Tamara in the halves, the pack, Mato. Brill, Joseph, Gray, Power, and Brigginshaw now at lock. Uh, and their bench, Manselman, Elliston, Hollyman, and Teitzel, and the concussion sub of China, Palata. Mm-hmm. So, uh, fellas, we're, we're going to go into our, our thoughts very quickly on this match and some tips. John? Uh, Women's State of Origin has been a fantastic showpiece game. Uh, as the standalone fixture for the last few years out at North Sydney Oval. Uh, glad to see it's making the expansion jump now. You probably could have made a case for just going straight to a best of three rather than a best of two of points differential being the tie-breaking factor. But seeing that sort of growth in this game is huge for the ladies. Really keen to see them rewarded uh, with you know the exposure, the coverage, and everything else that comes with it in terms of helping grow the game. Uh, yeah, I'm obviously going to be backing New South Wales here. I am more invested in New South Wales' uh, outcome in this game than I am for the boys, uh, simply because New South Wales, New South Wales, you know, seem to understand the concept better on the women's side of the game than the men's. So really keen to see yes. Kennedy and our Rachel uh, take to the field. Uh, really keen to see how Rachel Pearson goes. Obviously, is the uh, new sort of marquee acquisition, and Kennedy. Well, she's just going to bring the energy. We know we know what Kennedy's going to do, and it's always fun to watch. Yeah, Doug. What about a score there, uh, John? Uh, they've been. We've been pretty, uh, pretty good contest. So I'll go New South Wales twenty, Queensland sixteen. Yeah, Clint, your thoughts? Yeah, likewise. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely care more about the women's um, outcome than the men's here, um, for, for exactly the reasons that John touched on. Um, uh, I, I think for since announcing Rachel Pearson, this will probably be the first time that that Eels fans will be taking a very um, very direct look at her and the way that she plays and you know i hope we'll get a little bit insight into um what she's going to bring to to us for for the next three seasons and um you know kennedy's a fan favorite she'll she'll tear it up as always yeah and your tip uh i i'm going to go uh 24 18. of course to the blues oh yes without <laughs> without saying right <laughs> Look, I, I guess the interesting thing for us is that we, we, of course, we don't get the coverage of the Harvey Norman New South Wales Rugby League uh, Women's Premiership. That uh, you know that. So, 
I guess for us, we're going a little bit on last year's performances with the uh, with the women, uh, and less on what you'd call current form because at the moment, as we mentioned, they've just started their NRLW preseason. So, from the I guess the difference being that last year the 2021 NRLW season was held at the start of 2022. So we had a little bit more recent form to on which to judge how the players were performing. So it's a little bit harder for me to tip. I'm based on past seasons with um, the origin. It's going to be a close contest. I only see six points in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going for a very similar sort of scoreline of 24 to 18. And like yourselves, I'm looking forward to um, to watching the Eels players go around in this contest. So, um, and and as you said, be a, be a good first up look at uh, what we might be able to expect out of Pearson this year. Now, moving on, we're going to finish up our previews because there are a couple of Eels teams in action. Uh, first of all, we've got the Eels against the Knights. Up at Cessnock the, at the showground in Jersey Flag, and uh, we've we've got the Eels coming off a couple of, let's say, can we say snatching defeat out of the jaws mm, of victory? It sure feels like it here in the it? Jersey Flag, John. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What what's your thoughts on this match, mate? Well, uh, in terms of the ladder positioning coming into this one, Eels have the ascendancy. They're coming into round uh, thirteen or fourteen uh, with. Uh, seventh place in their possession up against the ninth place Newcastle Knights just the one win between the two sides though and indeed when these two teams met not too long ago back in round nine uh, the Knights claimed a pretty solid victory 28 to 8 Eels have been bolstered by the injection of the SG ball players since then and it's led to some good results on the whole even if they have like blown a couple of games in the most recent uh, two defeats including that one loss against the Rabbitohs where there was a lot of injuries at play Uh, but yeah just got to try and get right here in this game, 60s. Uh, it's going to be a tough road trip going uh, up the road, the Cessnock for that double header in the flag in the cup. Uh, but they do get a bit of a boost. Uh, Lockie Blackburn's in the team. Uh, they got the big uh, hyphen, Jonte Jr. Beffamiza, who was really good in the New South Wales Cup, by the way, up against the ladder leading Bears. I mean, he posted 150 metres, good tackle rate, uh, real good involvement in his uh, first starting gig in senior football. So really well done to him. He'll be a big boost to this team and shores up that front row alongside Noah Reid. But yeah, it's just about getting back to fundamentals here, 60s, just getting through their sets and getting to their kick. And yeah, it's a bland and boring sort of company line to take there, but there's a reason why we say it. Because getting through your sets, winning that territorial battle, keeping yourself in the possession splits goes so far in rugby league. So get back to fundamentals, uh, you know, just give yourself an opportunity to win rather than gifting the, oppo- the, op- the opposition sorry, uh, century free reign to attack your goal line. And we do have the the Knights being a little bit lower on the ladder yeah. than oh, the Eels. Um, the Newcastle Pages. Yeah, uh, no, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Clint, your any of your thoughts on this before we press on and have a look at the New South Wales Cup? Yeah, some big ins as um, as what he was alluding to there, and um, you know, it, I've, I, I think it's just about it's just about resetting things in 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 the flag for those guys and and reestablishing a new baseline and putting some of those other performances behind them. They haven't been awful, but, you know, they haven't generated the results that they wanted. Um, also worth noting um, that um, 
uh, one-time uh, Eels Howard Matthews grand finalist Miles Martin is li- lining up at lock for the Newcastle side. So um, some of those flag boys get to um, come back together again and um, and play against an old teammate this um, uh, this weekend. Yeah, and I'd also I'd like to um, do a bit of a shout-out to... I thought that um, stepping in for Ethan Sanders, that Josh Lynn was very solid um, last week in that in that it's match. It's going to be was... an interesting conundrum when Ethan's back because he's not that far since he's going to be back because he broke his hand. I think it'll be about a month, right? So, yeah, what do they do? Because Mac Borfisi is not a bad player, uh, but Lynn and Sanders have the connection from the SG ball. So uh, a real conundrum coming up for the Eels. Well, I, I'd put it to you this way, that someone like Mac Puafisi is probably an ideal bench player in that he could probably come on and cover both forwards and backs. True. He is a big so unit. Yeah. He, he is a big unit, but, you know, there might be a case to push for an SG ball-halves combination in the jersey flag there. Okay, moving now on to the New South Wales Cup. The Eels taking on the Knights there. The Knights are sitting down around the bottom of the ladder. The Eels mid-table there. Um uh, a very good win last week by, well, the last couple of weeks by the Eels. Yeah, biggest surprise and, of the season last week in my books. Uh, oh, yes. Eels embarrassing the Bears uh, out at Combank, uh, given the teams that were announced and the loss of Jake Arthur to the Manly Seagulls and the players unavailable due to NRL honours because the NRL team has just been ravaged in the forward pack. I had that down as a well, big... Isn't it amazing then, because you mentioned about the Eels being ravaged in the forward pack in the NRL, that the New South Wales Cup is almost fielding a team of forwards for the yeah. entire team. Well, yeah, with the benefit got, of the, uh, the buy yeah, in the NRL, they've, they've got a pretty stacked, uh, well, stacked forward pack, but also a stacked forward line. <laughs> yes, so just to, get, just to <laughs> clarify for people, the centre pairing is Jira Momosia and Dan Kia who are back rowers. So they they are the starting centres. And then you've got a pack of, uh, which is Ogden and Makatoa in the front row, Many Luke at, at lock, Murchie and Dury in the back row, blocked by Luca Moretti. And then the entire bench are forwards with Nico Apelu, Tony Mattaielli, Kai Rodwell and Tavita Tomapenu. So it's it's... Uh, for a team that has a lot of players out in first grade, they're ensuring that a number of those players don't have a week off, that they're playing uh, the ones that might be required in NRL even next week will be having a run in New South Wales Cup yeah, this week. Yeah, so, looking to keep the motors of Makatoa and Ogden running hot. Uh, obviously, Dury, Moretti, uh, Murchie, they're all NRL prospects too. So they're all guys going to be in the equation when the Eels get back to business in the top grade. Uh, but, yeah, looking forward to – this game will be streamed, I believe. Uh, so we'll be able to catch this game at Cessnock online. Uh, but, yeah, looking looking forward to see if Zach Sini can back up his efforts. 60s, he was uh, probably best on field for the Eels against the Bears. He went over 300 metres. I think there was like 16 tackle breaks. Uh, you know, had a huge game slotting at the back. But – uh, I suppose this is this isn't a, an attack on Zach because he obviously had an incredible game. But uh, if the game's a little bit more close, I suppose that's where fullbacks have their medal really tested, don't they? When uh, you're not completely dominating field possession and uh, field position, sorry, and possession. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Clint, your thoughts on this game? 
Yeah, well, it, it was it was only I think it was about a month or so back, maybe even six weeks back, um, that um, we played the Knights uh, out of Kellyville, and it was probably the best performance of the the season from the New South Wales Cup side that game. Um, you know, and that was the week following that awful thrashing at the hands of the um, of the Warriors over in New Zealand. So, you know, um, they, they'll fancy their chances, but there's some NRL players in the night side as well. But, you know, I, I think very much the, the message to some of the boys who played NRL for us last week and are playing cup this weekend is um, there's still some spots open in our NRL side for the Bulldogs game. Best on ground wins. Yeah. Okay. Quick tip then for um, for this uh, for these two matches in the um, in the flag and the New South Wales Cup. First of all, John. I think any win for the flag is a good win this week. So I don't really care for margins uh, or scores. Obviously, you know, putting on a good score would be nice. Uh, but just getting back in the winners' column is the only priority for this team because, like you said, they've sort of snatched defeat from the jaws of victory in the last two games, and you just want to get back to your winning ways any way possible. Yep, Clint. Yeah, look, it, it's, with, with some of those ins there, I, I, I absolutely entertain a win taking place for the, for the flag. Um, you know, uh, as John said, margins don't matter, just the W. Yep, and look, I, I concur there. I think the Eels have the team in the Jersey flag to take victory there. I'm sure they'll be back to their winning ways. It's uh, They played well enough to get wins the last couple of weeks and it's just a matter of icing their opportunities this week, which I believe they'll do. And uh, New South Wales Cup, it, I, I guess the only take there is that um, they can defend well out in the centres uh, because really they should have the edge in the forwards mm. in that game over yeah, the Newcastle new. side. Now, fellas, I'm going to very quickly go through the NRL round and just get a quick tip off both of you. We don't need margins, just a winner. Uh, Tigers and Raiders... Oh, it's a home game for the Tigers. Oh, I, I don't know. They just—it's a false market for the Tigers. It feels like the last couple of wins, like they've been yeah. good, good efforts, but uh, I think maybe the Raiders get them back coming back the ground here. Yeah, Clint. I'm going to go to the other side of the coin, and while I I, I agree with um, forty sentiments, I think at Campbelltown, uh, I'd like to see the Tigers pivot, if for nothing more than just to take some points off the Raiders and narrow the gap oh, for the Eels. Yeah, that helps us. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm going to go for I'm going to go for the Raiders there at Campbelltown. I I just think think they'll be too strong. Um, interesting one here, Warriors and Dolphins. Um, I don't well, obviously not going to get Tom Gilbert back on the the Dolphin side. He busted his shoulder, and I wouldn't expect Hammer to back up too. So I think I'll tip the home team and the Warriors here. Clint. Yep, same here. Yeah, I'm going to take the uh, Warriors on that one there. I'm still waiting for the Dolphins to falter. <laughs> um, Titans, Titans and Rabbitohs. Surely the Rabbitohs, surely. Um, Campbell Graham's got plenty of the proof here after. I mean, he sort of pulled himself out of origin camp, but then, you know, wasn't called back in. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going for the Bunnies. Yeah, Clint. Should be a very comfortable South Sydney victory. I agree wholeheartedly there. Uh, Sharks and Broncos. Mm, this one's in uh, uh, the Shire. Mm, I think Cobo's not backing up. Walsh should. Uh, well, Cobo's named the play here, but in his interview I saw today, he said he's not backing up. Uh, this one may be a coin toss. I'm probably going to go Broncos here, but 
probably the, the, I wouldn't be surprised the Sharks got up for this one. Clint? Uh, I can imagine after last night, Nico Hines being quite fired up and ready to get back to club footy and, and try and make a statement at club footy to put, keep himself in the frame in a very tight contest and simply because they're the home side, I'm going to go the Sharkies. Yeah, home game uh, win there for the Sharks for mine. Roosters and Bulldogs. This could be an interesting call here. Yeah, this is an awful game on paper. Roosters are you know downward spiral. The Dogs are who we thought we are despite the media hype from the off-season. They always get media hype in the off-season, but they've been very ordinary this year. Um, another coin toss game. I'll take the Bulldogs. Yeah, Clint? I have no gauge on what the Roosters are at the moment. You know, you, you, you would do a ladder predictor six weeks ago and you'd say the Roosters do this by 30-plus mm-hmm. comfortably, but who knows what's going to happen. Um, I, I'm, I'm waiting for a bounce back from, from what they've been showing thus far, and I think this might be the game they do it after coming off a bye. Yeah, uh, interesting media takes recently about Reed Marnie taking the Bulldogs to a new level this year, um, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to tip the Roosters with that one. The Cowboys and the Storm. Um, I'm just looking at this Storm team. Seems any uh, notice about Oh, Will Robick re-signed for Storm for three years, by the way. He's been a pretty good uh, player. Pretty pretty good pickup. Yeah, for them. very very good pickup. Very good um, pickup. Big man out in that flank. Uh, looking at this Storm team, it's actually pretty good. So uh, it could be Melbourne and Melbourne by uh, plenty. Yeah, Clint. Um, I think I think Melbourne get the job done, but um, you know, there's um, some some of the cavalry starting to return for the Cowboys, and um, you know, it, in in spite of what happened to the Tigers two weeks ago, and and you have um, uh, origin-affected teams playing each other when we played them last week. I, I, I think they'll make a, a competition of this at home, but I think Melbourne's still too good. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Melbourne by plenty as well, uh, agreeing with uh, 40 there on that one. And finally, uh, with three teams having the bye this week, which is uh, Manly, Newcastle and Parramatta, we get to the last game, which is... A Sunday night game, six fifteen kickoff at Penrith, the Panthers and the Dragons. Well, we we had the kind of like bounce back new coach game, and then the uh, capitulation against the Dolphins for the Dragons. And I think it's unfortunately for Ryan Carr, who's the interim coach, he's inherited a, an awful situation, and it's not going to get much better. With some Penrith players are going to be uh, stinging after getting embarrassed by Queensland. Yeah, Clint. $5 is way too short for the Dragons. They should be a bit further out than that. Um, and likewise, $1.18 feels like it's good value for Penrith. I, I expect that to shorten up more of kick-up comps because um, this, this could get ugly. Yeah, I, I was going to say this uh, when Forty just said we went from bounce back to um, capitulation and the next the next level is ugly embarrassment. Mm-hmm. I'll use both of your terms. Clint, you said it'll get ugly. John, you said embarrassment. So I'll put it together and say this will be an ugly embarrassment for <laughs> Dragons. And I I'm gonna I, I reckon the Penrith could win this by thirty or more mm-hmm. in, in terms of the final margin. It's gonna well, be... fellas, that wraps it up. We're gonna we're gonna jump on and catch up with the 
New South Wales Women's Origin Game. Uh, to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. We will keep the content coming this week on TCT, so please check in every day for new content that we'll have up there. Again, a huge thank you to our tip sheet sponsors in Big Swing Golf at North Mead and star partners, Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta. Thank you, fellas. Job well done tonight. And go you eels.